Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once all entrusted to God's holy people. everyone and welcome to another episode of Standing Firm Defenders of Faith. My name is Candace Paul and I am author of best-selling novel Spiritual Warfare and I am here with my co-host David Chandler who is also a best-selling author and we are going to talk to you today about another topic that we wanted to discuss. Um, it's kind of following up with the charismatic movement but it's different. It's the word of faith movement. And David wanted to really get into this and dig deep and start talking about what it is and what we should be looking out for. So, David, let's get to it. Well, thank you for having me on your show once again, Candice. I really appreciate having these podcasts. I'm praying that people will learn, for believers anyway, will learn from these uh, conversations that we're having. So at the turn of the, I'd say around the early portion of the 20th century, we, we had, and that's called the Word of Faith Movement. And its roots started with a guy by the name of Phineas Quimby, who was a mind science cultist. Uh, he believed in well, they, they were called metaphysical cults, and, and basically that the word metaphysical is nothing more than a fancy word for the uh, <clears throat> anything above the or anything beyond the natural universe. Huh. And uh, Phineas Quimby believed in some of the things that a lot of your word of faith teachers teach now, such as healing is. Uh, pertinent to one's faith. As a matter of fact, the word faith, they, they believe that the word faith, or if a person has faith, then, uh, well, faith is a force. And, a, and faith can be manipulated by one's words. For instance, if I say or make a pronouncement that I am going to be well, that I'm not going to be sick, that I am going to have the favor of God on my life, then it's going to happen. And that's what they believe faith is, and at least that's what Phineas Quimby taught. Phineas Quimby was also a student, or should I say Mary Baker Eddy was a student of Phineas Quimby, and uh, Mary Baker Eddy was a um, the founder of a, another mind science cult known as Christian Science, and uh, these individuals started something that would later be known as the Word of Faith movement. And then you had a guy by the name of Norman Vincent Peale, who was pretty much like another Robert Schuller. He believed in the idea that your thoughts or your words are 
something well, like, for instance, if uh, I guess I can make a better descript, uh, a better ex explanation as to what I'm trying to say. Your faith, just like I mean, it's Quimby, and just like the word, a lot of your Word of Faith teachers, your faith is governed by your words, both negative and positive. And if you speak positive things, then you're going to get them. If you speak negative things, then you're going to get them. And if you notice that a lot of your charismatic ministries teach the exact same thing or a variation of the two, and most of your charismatic churches are somewhat word of faith, not all of them, and some of your most extreme Pentecostal or charismatic churches are just plain old word of faith. And so... um when a person who is, or a believer, any group of believers who subscribe to the modern-day Pentecostal charismatic belief system is on a, a slippery slope with the Word of Faith movement because it's pretty much, they, they pretty much walk hand in hand. I was going to ask, so what is necessarily the issue? Because it seems as though speaking, being positive, having a positive outlook might kind of serve as a placebo effect into what you're doing and be somewhat helpful to whatever situation you're encountering. Um, and simply saying, you know, my situation can change and it will change and I believe it will change. What is necessarily the issue with that? Well, the issue is basically when they start talking. And, and first of all, our faith is not a force. This, this is what they believe. This is what guys like Creflo Dollar, Kenneth Copeland, uh, and his wife, Gloria, uh, Fred Price, Joseph Prince, Miles Monroe, who passed away in a plane crash. Uh, all of these, in the, all these individuals, Oral Roberts, Ken, Kenneth Hagen, all of these guys, they believe that your faith is governed by your words. And they use Hebrews chapter 1, for, so faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So they believe that faith is the substance by which your words are governed by. So your words will carry the force of faith, and then the manifestation is going to come by way of whatever it is that you have faith for or whatever it is that you speak. And they believe that God had the same faith. God is not God in the sense that we know of at, in, in the scriptures. He's this guy or he's uh, this individual that framed the world by his own faith. So in other words, he, they believe that God has faith. And so since God had faith, we can have the same faith too, or the same level of faith. Okay. So what, so what is your definition of faith then? I guess that might help clarify things. Like what is your definition of faith and what is the biblical definition of faith and how does it vary from what they're saying? Well, my, my definition of faith is, is by Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So our faith, we walk by faith and not by sight. And God is not 
God does not operate by faith. He operates by the will of his own sovereign power. So he created the world with his own power. He did not create the world. He did not create the universe by his faith. In other words, God is not, God doesn't have faith. Our uh, God is the object of our faith. Okay. So let me make sure that I understand. So essentially trying to say that God has faith is, doesn't really make sense because God created everything. So our, we have faith. We have faith that he exists, that he is there, that he's looking over us and protecting us, etc. We have faith in him, but he doesn't have faith. He does. He is God. He does it all. So, um, so you're saying that essentially the word of faith movement says that God has faith? That's what they teach. Uh, and so, and they all are mixed up about, um, Adam, you know, the uh, man's creation. They're all mixed up. Uh, as a matter of fact, they're downright heretical when it comes to Jesus, the person and work of Jesus Christ. They believe that Jesus Christ was a, was just a man that was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He did not become the Son of God until after he was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. And the dove descended upon him, and then that's when he heard the voice from God, the Father, saying, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. Well, that's unscriptural because he, they don't teach the incarnation in, in the sense that, uh, as a matter of fact, Kenneth Copeland taught that Jesus Christ was an idea from God as opposed to Jesus Christ taking on a form of flesh, which is the, incarn- the doctrine of the incarnation, which is in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, they don't. They they just don't teach that. Creflo Dollar teaches that Jesus Christ was not God. You know, you look at Mark chapter. I, I believe it was Mark chapter one when he was asleep on the boat, and he says, "Well, if he's God, then how can he be asleep on the boat? Mm-hmm. God never sleeps or slumbers." Well, he's God the Son. So in flesh, we all learn he's God. He's the God Man. The Greek word, or there's two Greek words actually, and that's. The theanthropos, which means God-man. There is no intermixture of the two natures. So what Creflo Dollar was essentially teaching that day was that Jesus Christ was not God. He was a man that was anointed by the Holy Spirit that came to show us, man, that we can have the same faith that he did. Hmm. They taught that Jesus Christ had faith in God to perform those miracles, and that's why he was able to do so, because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. So essentially what they're saying is that since he did it, we can do it too. We can perform miracles. We can say to this mountain, be thou removed and thrown into the midst of the sea. We can do all of these things, raise the dead, heal the sick, that Jesus did, because he had the faith of God. No, he was not God in flesh. But he had the faith of God. So we can essentially have that same faith. And you don't believe that we can do those things? No, uh, we, we uh, are, we're not God. 
And it, it, essentially what they're saying, and, and okay, let me put things in perspective when it comes to this group, that the Word of Faith movement. They believe that man is essentially God. They've deified God and they've demoted well, I'm sorry, they've deified man and they've demoted God in, in, in the sense that man, they say that God was locked out when, when, uh, when man fell, when man disobeyed God, God was essentially locked out of the earth realm. So now the keys had been turned over to Satan. Satan now became the God of this world. Well, that's not true because Satan is not God in the sense that we know as he's not God, capital G. He's a God, which means he's the God of this world. He's he's a, a, a created being, but they essentially believe that he somehow, the uh, man somehow just turned over the reins to Satan. And so now we have to, in order to get all of those things back, we have to... Um, live by faith and all this other stuff. And it's just a lot of nonsense that all of them believe. And Creflo um, Dow, they're, they're all about money. They're, they teach uh, a prosperity message, which kind of coincides with uh, the whole word of faith message. And um, so that that's basically it. They, they're, they're very extremely heretical, especially when it, become, when it comes to the doctrine of God and the doctrine of, of Jesus Christ or the person in the work of Jesus Christ. So, okay. So, and I want to kind of parse this out a bit so I can make sure that people who are listening understand and make sure that I actually totally understand myself. Um, so they're saying that as long as you have faith and they're, are they separating faith without having the Holy Spirit involved? Or are they saying just as long as you have faith and believe you can do this on your own? Or are they saying that you do need the help of the Holy Spirit to get any of this stuff done? Uh, well, what they're saying is that they're, you know, they can access the power of faith through their words. So that means they're God. You know, God spoke the words into existence so they believe that we can do the exact same thing okay so now i'm starting to understand so so essentially what this movement does if i can kind of synthesize this and then you can tell me where i'm wrong and what i'm saying essentially what this movement is saying is that as long as you have faith and you vocalize this through your words power of words you can change things you can change your reality in terms of healing um sickness, yeah. all of those type of things but they're not giving credit to the holy spirit who's actually able to do these things through a person who requests the help of god so you can to me what i always understood is these things are in fact possible to do like you can do these things, but you yourself cannot do them on your own. You need the help of God to assist you. The Holy Spirit, namely the Holy Spirit. That was my understanding of this. Well, you, once a person is saved, he receives the gift of the Holy Spirit, 
but uh, they they teach a lot of heretical things. For one thing, they teach that Jesus died spiritually. Joyce Meyer taught this in one of her sermons that she died, that Christ died and went to hell. And and you know, by the way, um, they usually get their teachings not from necessarily from Phineas Quimby. I'm sorry, but it was from E. W. Kenyon, Essex William Kenyon is his name. And he was born in 1867 to 1948. And that's where they get most of their teachings from, Kenneth Hagen, uh, Oral Roberts, uh, and they're both have passed away. But uh, that that's the idea of word of faith, which means, you know, speaking things into existence, blab it and grab it, you know, uh, speak it and you shall have it. And that's their... That's the focus of their messages. And they also believe that God distinctly promises them healing and prosperity for those who skillfully manage their covenant with God. They're always talking about a covenant, but the only way for them to maintain that covenant with God is through the tithe. And then they're always talking about that. They're always emphasizing that in their, in, in their uh, teachings. And they're not... And it, they, they teach that if you do not tithe, then your connection with God will be severed and you're not going to be able to enjoy the manifold blessings that uh, the average Christian that does tithe would. So um, they also believe that they can have whatever it is that they say and they have to pray with faith. So... Uh, and again, I explained that the word the faith, they, they believe that we're freed from the law and they live in the spirit. But the, the difference is between what the Bible teaches and what they teach is that Jesus Christ's sacrifice was in hell. It wasn't, in, it wasn't on the cross. It was in hell. And... See, this is interesting to me because I I have also learned that, of course, we've said this before, that anything is possible through God, of course, but that what you ask for, what you do in earnest prayer, you'll receive as long as it's in God's will, as long as it's in accordance with him. So right. you can't just ask for something that you want and it has it's not at all in accordance with God's will. You will probably never get that. <laughs> I don't think that you will get that. Um so I think that's where we need to kind of parse things out. Like if you're I guess the whole point of this is if you think that you can just do things on your own accord and just act on your own and say things on your own and change things without consulting with the most high it's like wait what are you doing you can't <laughs> you can't do that that's not how this works well first john chapter five and this pretty much debunks the entire prosperity movement or the the whole word of faith movement just blows it out of the water first john chapter five verse 14 okay verse 14 and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Verse 15, if we know that he hear us, who, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. 
Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty clear, you know, pretty cut and dry. If we ask anything according to his will, God's yeah. will, to then will. he hears us. Yeah. yeah. So we, we can't go to his store and say, I want a car. And if it's not in his will, you're not going to get it. You, you're just <laughs> not going to get it. Yeah. Period. And honestly, and I feel like with a lot of these things, people really need to check their intentions. Where is this coming from? Do you, do you want a car? Do you want a new car so you can get around to work and you can move easier so then you can help other people and do things to help other people? Or do you want a new car because you want to be flashy and show off? Because I don't think that that would probably be in accordance with what God wants. So I, I don't know. I feel like people kind of really need to be careful about what their intentions are with a lot of these things. Well, let's check out. James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. All right, so I'm going to start at verse, oh, what the heck, I'll start at verse 1. From whence come wars and fighting among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your neighbor, in your members. Verse 2, ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. We fight in war, yet ye have not, because we ask not. We ask not and receive not, because we ask amiss that we may consume it upon your lust. Again, that another passage of scripture that blows the whole word of faith doctrine out of the water. They, they continue to contend that you can ask whatever you want as long as you can just have faith. Just believe it and just confess it and just keep saying it and keep saying it. See, they believe in repetition. And doesn't that remind you of something strange like in the occult they believe in repetition? Mm. And repeat this you know, passage again. It break that passage down so people can understand it. Well, it says, uh, "From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come from they come they not hence even your lust that war in your members. It comes from the heart. It comes from the inside. All of these things come from. This is what James is saying. All of these issues, fighting, war." Even your own lusts, they come from your own members. They come from within. Jesus said it's not what it's not without that it's not something from without that destroys a man or defiles a man. It's what goes in. Mm. So and and this is right this pretty much reiterates the point. And verse two, ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. We fight in war, yet ye not have, because ye ask not. And ye ask not because ye, ye, ye ask and receive not because ye ask and miss, or you you ask or miss. You ask because it's not in God's will; it's in your own will. You want these things because you want them because of what's in your heart, and what's in your heart, or should I say, your intentions are just consuming on your own lusts. So God is not going to give it to you. If God, if you were to sit on your knees and ask God for a million dollars, God knows your heart. He's not going to give you a million dollars, especially if he knows that you're not going to be able to handle it. Well, well, let me ask you this. And I guess when we start talking about these things, I like to be clear so people can understand. So how are you able to discern what you're asking for is not in God's will versus what is. 
So how do I know if I'm asking for something, if it is in God's will or if it isn't? Well, you can add, you can find out by pretty much um, examining your own motivations. Mm-hmm. What do I really want this car for? If it's to get to work because um, I don't have a car or or do I really need a car? Mm. Can I just catch the bus? Or am I in a small town where there's no public transportation? Or um, do I need a car because I have a job interview and I have no other way of getting there? I mean, that's pretty extreme, but, yeah, we, and, you know, well, I guess my point is you will know by your intentions. You know, your your intentions will be made clear if you're, by, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. If you're being true and earnest in your examination of yourself, like you said, in your intentions, you know, do you want this, do you really want this? promotion for example um because it will provide for you and your family and you can be content and at peace and you can help people with it okay that's cool or do you want it because it'll give you a level of status and notoriety that you don't get in your other position i think if people really check their intentions they'll know where to go and if God will will bless it or not. So essentially, um, to summarize what we've been talking about today, the idea, if you can just say this in three points, is to make sure that you understand your motivations when you're praying, when you're trying to do anything, make sure that it's it's God centered. And really focus on the Lord and the word and what the text says and not your own will and what you want. Do you have anything to add, David, to that? Well, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, we, we need to examine our hearts, our motivations, and because uh, some of the things that we're asking for, well, first of all, we need to ask, well, is this in concordance or in accordance to his God's will for our lives? And if it is, then God will give it to us. Sometimes God gives it what we're looking, what we're asking for right away. Sometimes he says, wait. Sometimes he says, no. Mm. And so that's God's sovereignty. That's the doctrine of God's sovereignty. And that's what the Word of Faith movement denies. A lot of people within the charismatic movement, they don't have a concept, they don't have a proper or biblical idea or concept about God's sovereign will. What is God's sovereign will for my life? Is it for, is it his will for me to have everything that I want? Mm. You know, the, the word of God says, God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Didn't say anything about our wants. Our needs. Yeah. Our needs. Now, our wants get blessed, but that's according to his, uh, you know, that's according to his grace, you know, and there are two types of grace, and I'll get into that later, but um, it's according to his grace. He does not have 
to um, supply our wants. Mm-hmm. You know, there are plenty of people that don't get anything that they want. Mm, this is deep. Paul, this is very you know, deep. You know, Paul says, I am content with whatever I've had many, I've had plenty and I've had nothing, but I've learned to be content in whatever situation that God has me. This is what the Apostle Paul said, and I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he stated in in one of his epistles. And this is what the Word of Faith movement denies. You know, they preach hard about you, uh, this is God's will for you to be rich, God's will for you to be a millionaire, God's will for you to be, I'll never be broke another day in my life. Well, what if that's God's will? Mm, that, wow. And I think we're going to end on that. And we will follow up with the next conversation because you're going to talk about grace, right? Uh, yes. We will talk about grace in another episode. But this was, once again, a very edifying discussion. And make sure that you all share this with a friend. Make sure that you like and subscribe to this channel so you can hear all of the latest episodes. So thank you. Thank you. And until next time.